things that always gets me when people say God is love is the notion and idea that God really isn't all that lovey. (laughs) When you think about God, the God of the Old Testament, there is a sense of wrath, a sense of violence, a sense of really bullying, if you will. Uh, Love me, follow me. And if you don't, I will send plagues and and, uh, kill you and take out your firstborn and just all these nasty, really bad things gonna happen to you. Um, So is God really love? I don't know, folks. I think we gotta unpack that this week here on Profane Faith. Come on. And now I guess he feels a little bit emboldened. He must be careful with what he says. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, racism is essentially a white problem. For you to understand what racism is about, you're going to be so uncomfortable. As Christians, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is sin. You know, everybody's like, you taught that from school, everywhere. Big business, you want to be successful, you want to be like Trump. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Push, 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 push. Step, step, step. Crush, crush, crush. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. All right, folks. All right. Come on now. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are here in the place to be profane faith. Welcome, folks. Welcome. If it's your first time listening, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. As the introduction just said, we have some great conversations around here. I am excited about this week um, starting a new series, and I'm going to break the series up a little bit, too, matter of fact. Um, yeah, new season, new, uh, you know, trying to, you know, switch things up a little bit. Um, got a season here looking at, you know, is, is God really love? God is not love, <laughs> right? So I wanted to bring some folks on, um, both practitioners, theologians, thought leaders, all that good stuff, right? Uh, I wanted to bring them on and uh, have us talk a little bit about what that means theologically. Uh, if you're a Christian, you know, thinking through the, like, you know, the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament, um, some of the narratives in there. And I think that's, those are some of the, the, the you know, I think the the conversation around is God love. And this, and really what, what got it going was that I, you know, I, I, I what, well, Honestly, if I back up even further, uh, on my way, taking my daughter out to, um, and I mentioned this in the, in the conversation I'm having here with Dom. Um, but, uh, you know, on my way to taking my daughter out, there's a big poster. Well, there was a big poster. Um, and it was by Franklin Graham and it said, you know, this, it's the God is love tour. I think it was like, God loves you tour. Uh, and I was just, I was always so triggered by that. I was just like, that's just a bunch of bullshit. It, it just there there is just it just a pile of bullshit stinks 
Um, and, uh, I, you know, and, and, and that's what got me thinking because I'd see these posters of God is love, you know, but, you know, we hate the homosexual, right? It's, even like at the beginning, like that's why I put that, you know, that saying in there, right? I think it was Larry Elder who said that. It was like, you know, we love the homosexual and the transgender. Homosexuality is a sin, right? It's just like, you know, good night. And, and it, that's the thing, right? It's like, is God love? And then, you know, pulling back a little bit more, it's like, is that the sense? I mean, this kind of goes back into our conversation that we had last season. If you haven't heard that, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, looking at, you know, God uh, must be a conservative or God must be like, you know, this fundamentalist. Um, so I wanted to kind of continue that in a different light and kind of looking at theological paradigms of where God fits into this kind of notion of, you know, um, this love, where did that come from? Where did that begin? <laughs> really? Uh, when we think about that, cause no, we hear that, right? We hear that a lot. Like God is a, lo is a loving God. And I'm like, yeah, if you are following what God has to say, right. You know, but if you're not, man, woe to you, this supreme being supernatural force would take you out. Right. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to explore that a little bit because it gets me, it gets, it gets me thinking about, uh, some of these things in regards to, um, right. This, this, this notion of love, because Jesus conversely has a different message, right? He has a, a message of, uh, uh, you know, love your neighbor. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be killing folks. Um, of course that was also in the, you know, in the old Testament, uh, and the, the 10 commandments. Right. But you know, then you have God, you know, going and saying, all right, go kill all these motherfuckers over here, take out these motherfuckers over here. Um, and that's okay. You know, we'll bend the rules for that. You know, we'll bend the rules for the Philistines, right? Uh, you know, these uncircumcised motherfuckers over here, we'll bend the rules for them, them cats, but, uh, don't you take out one another. Right. And as for me, I'm just kind of like, man, you know, is, you know, is, 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 is God just a spoiled teen? Right. You know, are we are just God's, um, you know, Petri dish. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love the Simpsons. Simpsons kind of deals with this all the time. There was one episode where Bart, um, had created a, a, a universe using one of Lisa's, uh, or no, 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 that's right. Lisa had did that. That's right. Bart had was playing pranks on her and she ended up creating these, uh, this whole uh, species in a petri dish, uh, and as she watched them, like they, you know, they grew from like you know cave people, you know, into the Renaissance, and then finally, you know, it's like in time, you know, was passing like a lot quicker down there. So it was like you know they had advanced, you know, to like you know lasers and spaceships and everything, uh, and they considered her god, right? And you know, they had been listening to her voice since the dawn of time. So it's just interesting, right? To to, uh, you know, to think about some of those things, right, in, in regards. And I think, you know, so much of theology, and this is part of the reason why we're doing series like this, so much of theology, Christian theology particularly, has been fucked up by, you know, uh, white evangelicalism. Uh, that's part of the reason that's the main drive with this, is, is, to, is, is to kind of purge out, if you will, some of these things around that, you know, we think about a God that has this power of creation, this power of knowledge, right? If we really believe a God that created the universe is, is somehow going to like love us, but only if we follow, right? Only if we listen and do these things, right? Um, you know, and then you add in the different layers, the intersectionality. I mean, uh, on one end you have, you know, in, in, in white fundamentalism, you know, you have a sense of, uh, rules and honor, um, 
right? You know, and black uh, fundamentalism, you know, you have a sense also of rules, but there's also more of a sense of process. There's more of a sense of duty. There's more of a sense of uh, responsibility, right? Um, and, you know, in Latinx, you know, you combine all that and then you add in another layer of conservatism as well, right? Very traditional uh, views, right, of looking at, you know, male and female relationships and just the binary. Um, so you can begin to think it's like, you know, is God really, you know, like, wow, you know, is God really that love? So I don't know. I wanted to explore that. I wanted to have a conversation around that. And that's what we're doing here. We're kicking this off. Um, you know her, you love her, Dom, man. She's amazing. She has uh, been on the show before. I'll put some of her uh, previous show links in the show notes. Um, and I uh, just wanted to start this conversation off. I got other guests coming and, you know, I've already pre-recorded some. I got some others lined up. Uh, so we're going to be having this conversation throughout season six. I think it's something that we need to, uh, to really explore and think about, um, you know, uh, and in regards to, you know, how we look at deity, how we look theologically right at love, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, and I can hear it right in my old black seventh day Adventist, you know, background, I can still hear. Yeah, but we can't understand the mind of God. You know, who are we to question God? And that was the other thing, right? It's like anybody who questions God, um, is definitely sinning is definitely, uh, out there and jacked up and don't you dare question God because God will bring and that's the other thing right it's like when bad things were happening it was always assigned to God I see see that's why you gotta be listening to God right or God's gonna strike you down right it's like you taking God's name in vain is you know, lightning from above is gonna come and strike you right and so it's like god damn like really that's love because I think about love for my daughter and it's just like yeah there's discipline Right. There's there's that understanding of that. But it's just like, I don't I'm not going to send a lightning bolt <laughs> because she disobeyed. I'm not going to plague her with locusts and, you know, and line up frogs in a room and shit, man. Um, yeah, there's that. But I'm also thinking like, um, what the fuck, man? Like, I, I ain't going to go cut her up and just, you know, just to prove to her a point. Right. Plus, I'd be locked up in, in, in fucking prison. Right. And, you know, for doing some shit like that. And rightfully so. So should God, if we're God's children, should God be locked up, right? Should we call, you know, special services, the cosmic social services on God's ass for, you know, if, if God really is that um, punitive, right, to send a hurricane, right? We hear this stuff, right? It's like from these same motherfuckers that say God is love will turn around and then be like, yeah, see, that's why Haiti's having the problems that it's having because a bunch of voodoo, you know, over there and that shit, right? Some stupid shit like that. Um... So, you know, let's process that a little bit. I didn't want to make a note here before uh, before I go. This is from last week's guest, uh, my guest Erica. Uh, she posted some amazing shit on. Uh, and if you haven't followed her already on Instagram, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, this is your first time profane faith. Go back last week and check out uh, episode two uh, with Erica. She's talking about sex and sexuality, just crazy shit, right? Um, the crazy good shit. Uh, but she posted some stuff here that just came up this last week uh, regarding uh, Ben Shapiro's sister who was trying to pay Nancy Reagan a compliment. But instead, she was exposing uh, thousands of people to the fact that uh, she was the, uh, you know, looking at looking at Nancy Reagan in particular, how she was the blowjob queen of Hollywood. Um, and it was just interesting. She posted, you know, all the, the, the different uh, um you know, different, different things that people pot up because again, Ben Shapiro's sister was trying to like slut shame Madonna 
who had you know posted some stuff of her on a bed and some stockings and then uh you know her post was like this is madonna at 63 this is nancy reagan at 64 trashy living versus classic living which version of yourself do you want to be so that was ben shapiro's sister right her account is classical abby or classically abby if you haven't you know follow if you don't have enough bullshit accounts to follow you got to follow that right um and um and that may make uh, that may make that bullshit that that comment right there may make my uh, on on the professor watch list. So you know, I guess I, I'm sure if the haters are, you know, the losers that watch that listen to this, they may just be like, hey, he said something about uh, a Ben Shapiro's sister. Yeah, you goddamn right. Uh, so anyways, um, so anyways, then it goes into this whole thing um about you know folks with them like you know let's just break it down for real like let's let's look at let just yeah at how uh nancy reagan was you know like the throat queen right and as they were just going in on that right and they were talking about someone tweeted about nancy reagan being a paragon of morality and then getting quote tweeted into oblivion about her being the blowjob queen of hollywood is objectively the funniest thing to happen on this site in years good job everyone let's pack it in for the night this is chase mistral um and anyways, it goes on to talk about, you know, just kind of some of the posts out there um, about that. But I liked, uh, you know, what uh, Erica had to say on purity culture, slut shaming, Abby Shapiro, sister of Ben, Madonna and Nancy Reagan's head game. Really? It's been a it's been spicy on Twitter as Abby Shapiro attempted to slut shame Madonna, which, first of all, LOL, if you're familiar with Madonna's earliest work, it's all about sexual liberation versus Catholicism. She's the original purity culture dropout. She has, she attempted to do so by comparing her to, uh, she's talking about um, uh, Ben Shapiro's sister, Abby. Uh, she attempted to do so by comparing her to a supposed paragon of godly womanhood, the late former first lady, Nancy Reagan. Then Twitter dug up the info, which was never a secret, that Nancy gave a lot of blowjobs in her Hollywood youth. And you know what? It's hilarious. I would agree. Let Madonna be a sex pot in her 60s. Let young Nancy give all the heads she wanted to. Exactly. Neither deserve to be shamed for it, Abby Shapiro. And that's for anybody else, right? No one deserves to be slut shamed. Like, yeah, if she wanted to give head, go home and give head. Do what you got to do. And if Madonna wants to do her little stocking things when she's 60, goddamn, I hope I look that good when I get to be that age. Right. Nancy was responsible for some other pretty shitty behavior that stands alone. Exactly. Happy Saturday, y'all. I'll be I'll just be over here chuckling because the just say no lady of my youth apparently said yes, yes, yes. Um, and then other comments, people went on to say, you know, how Nancy was perfectly happy to let AIDS become an epidemic and even uh, let close friends uh, die. Rock Hudson, because, you know, people didn't want to engage in that because people at that point in time, some of y'all may not believe this, but if you were around and alive during that time, people thought AIDS was the gay disease. Um, so when Rock Hudson, who later at that time we know now he was gay you know it came out at that time like rock hudson this leading man who was a handsome man who was you know, people couldn't believe that he was uh you know gay came out with aids and they were good friends with the reagans right nancy was just cool like let's just not even talk about it whereas madonna worked tirelessly to raise money and awareness about aids uh and try to destigmatize it um it, it so again you know this is just very interesting um how the slut shaming you know just comes up because and and i'm 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 with erica like i could care less 
what Nancy did, but God damn it, don't come back around and then tell me, you know, just don't, you know, just say no. It's just like, God damn. And that's the thing with conservatism. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's like, there's always shit to come find out and that, that's in your backyard. You can't clean up all the shit. The shit is there and it's going to come out some way. Um, <laughs> so that was just some stuff. Again, if you haven't heard Erica last week, she is amazing. Uh, go check out her work. Um, hire her, maybe, you know, and, 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 and check that out. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. It's a nice little footnote from last week uh, that's transpired. But this week, we're getting into this new series um, and uh, this conversation I'm about to have with Dom. Amazing. Check it out. It's been a while. I haven't talked to you in a, a long time, it feels like. I know. It has been. It has been. I know yeah. we've texted in the Keeping It 100 group, and I see you online. Yeah. I always love what you post, and I love that you don't give any any fucks what you post, and I'm like, I love that shit. I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to Not get there. Not at all one fuck given. <laughs> Not at all. I, I've run out of them. Yes. I've run out of them. Yes. Oh my gosh. So nah, it's it's great. Um and like for today, I mainly was like like what I talked about with Sean was you know, the whole theme around, you know, is God love, but then you know, we turn around and we see kind of this different God in the Old Testament and, and really the old school debate about the God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament and just what evangelicalism has done to really you know, put up there like, oh, God is like, and, and what really what started this was I, I used to, when I was driving my daughter out to her horse lessons, there was a billboard from Franklin Graham that said it, it was called, oh, the, yeah, exactly. Um, it was the Goddess Love Tour. Um, and yo, I tell you, that was so triggering. Every time I pass it, I just wanted yeah. to like shoot that damn thing. Um, I can imagine. But it got me thinking. I was just like, so this fool going to come up here and just talk shit about everybody, a strong supporter of Trump, but then have the nerve to say God is love. We got to have yep. a conversation around that. Yep. 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 Um, I have very interesting uh, views and opinions regarding this now because um, I, hmm, how can I say this? I've become pluralistic when it comes to. Uh, my religion yes. or my spirituality. So I'm not just an Orthodox Christian anymore. Yes. Um, and so I'm learning, still learning about hoodoo, voodoo, and different African traditional religions. But, you know, as one of my friends, Hakeem, says, uh, who's a hoodoo practitioner, um, it was Jesus that saved me. It was still the Jesus of my grandmother that saved me. So I'm coming from that particular place. Um, when talking about evangelicals or specifically white evangelicals um, and their hmm, and their <laughs> their use of the Old Testament God and their creation of a New Testament God. Um, and it seems to me from my perspective that and from the readings I've been doing for my THM program that the God of the Old Testament is only allowed for them. Hmm. And the God of the New Testament, that's love, is allowed for the oppressed. So, yes, God is love, and we can still operate out of that notion, but the only time that they see a God that is that can exercise judgment, that can be bigoted, that can be <laughs> um, homophobic, that can be all of the isms, is when they are celebrating or worshiping that God or that God is working on their behalf. 
Okay. But us that are oppressed, we are the only ones that get the New Testament God is love because that God doesn't retaliate. That God tells you to turn the other cheek. Mm. Um, and so it's, in, in essence, I would argue that either white evangelicalism in their theodicy is either schizophrenic Mm. Or and I don't I don't want to use that term um, loosely, you know, for for uh, people that deal with mental health illnesses or mental health issues. Um, so that God is either you know double-minded, which Scripture says that God is not, or um, that God is there's there's not a monotheistic evangelical faith mm-hmm. because only the theodicy of God being a, a, a God of vengeance and a God that avenges and a God that gets justice is allowed to those that are evangelical and white, mainly white. Um, but the God is love. That God is who we get. And that is why they can still operate and say, oh, I support and love Trump. Oh, I can do like it, it's 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 the hypocritical nature. It's, it's almost like their double consciousness, um, wow. which is the inversion of ours. So. Yeah, I, I see it. Um, I see it, and I I I see it from that perspective. I should say I see it that they do believe in the Old Testament God, but it's only for them. That's it's deep. Not for us. That's deep. I love this. This is, and that's why I'm so glad you you doing this th and this is this is awesome. I I am of the firm belief that. You know, while we still can, there there needs to be more and broader scholarship because I feel oftentimes that our people, our folks, have been very colonized to believe one essence of who God is. I love that dichotomy that you put it in. Like the God of the Old Testament is really for the oppressors, but it's like, you know, we have to deal with the God of love and forgiveness and reconciliation and, you know, you like, but all them little kind of, you know, things on there, right? Of like, well, no, no. I mean, even I've been talking about this, like, you know, our school filed a uh, you know, thing of, what do you call it? The vote of no confidence, you know, against the president. You know, she's a, she's a horrible, horrible leader. Right. And, you know, and, and like a clear, like, you know, white supremacist and everything is like, you know, it's like not even trying to like cover it up. Like her entire cabinet is white, got rid of everybody who's, who's of color. Um, but even in that, right. There's still people like, well, I hope that we can treat her with the respect and dignity. I'm like, <laughs> right, 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 right. And it, it, and it honestly mocks, um, the the multi what Kimberly Crenshaw would call and I have to be careful using her name because of critical mm-hmm. race theory you know but um, she calls it um, intersectionality it makes the intersectionality of marginalized identities I won't say look bad but it it adds more scrutiny to even being a black person or a woman of color or a woman in a position when you have a woman that is doing a horrible job that is exercising white supremacy um, come under flag for stuff because then it seems I'm getting a little tangent but then it becomes you can't critique her because she's a woman or because she's this when actually she is operating Mm. out of white supremacy Um, and so I've I've seen that more recently um, of the I've seen that from our, our liberal white friends um recently and i've seen that from our progressive white friends 
Um, so yeah, it, it's getting interesting. It's getting interesting <laughs> in these streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think that's and and that's what. Uh, that's what gets me when it when it when it comes to this kind of notion and understanding of God, because part of part of I think just the interpretation of it. I mean, it's um, you know, when we when, when we look at you know this God that kind of almost really demands God's own way, really almost almost kind of like a bully, like, hey, my technology is better than yours. I've created shit you haven't, so y'all niggas need to worship me. So you know, fuck that. You know, whereas. Jesus, right, you know, comes around talking about you got to love your neighbor and you be, can't be killing folks. And so and, and it's very interesting, those interpretations. How have you arrived at where where you're at? Like some of this new knowledge, some of this new readings. And I'm also curious as to why you were, in, in, you know, not being careful with uh, with with Crenshaw and whatnot. Break break that down, too. Oh, only because Kimberly Crenshaw's name is a new uh, dog whistle for critical race theory um, critics that don't really know what critical race theory is. Um, they they just seen <laughs> yeah, her name on yeah. the back of something, and you know, for better or for worse, they've added her to their lexicon of people that they don't like. Um, and so that's why I'm just I was being cheeky. That's the only reason why I said that. But yeah, it's, it's for people that don't know what they're talking about. Um, but absolutely, I think your um, your description said it all. Your description of the God in the Old Testament or the God of the Old Testament and Jesus, the God of the New Testament, um, to me, explicitly shows the dichotomy of the hmm, American exceptionalism, a.k.a. the white American mindset or frame of mind, especially white men, white evangelical men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am the head. God ordained me the head. I am made in God's image. I am. I have dominion. Everything comes under me. Everything in this country, in this household, in my sphere of influence is under my authority. It's been given to me by God, and I will exercise it as I see fit. I can exact vengeance. I can take vengeance. I can make the rules. I can make the laws. I can do all of these things because God has given me authority and dominion and power. However... You Negroes, you queers, you Latinos, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you, you disabled ones. Yeah, you got Jesus. You get to go on the cross and you get to sacrifice yourself. And you get to, you know, not have the authority, dominion and power. Even, you know, you don't even get to rise. You just get to be a sacrifice. Um, and, and you just continue to be oppressed. Um, mm. And the power that you do have is very limited. And I, I just got finished reading um, a little bit of Ra Albert uh, Rabito's slave religion. And so that's why I'm kind of charged mm. up because I'm a little mad right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Come on. And so, yeah, that, that's what you Negroes get. That's what you queers get. That's what you poor people get. That's what you that's what you Latinos, you indigenous, um, you Asian folks, you poor. That's what you get. Well, while we get the dominion and power, we get that side of God. You get the the God that will, will spill its blood, will spill his blood to protect humanity. Um, let me oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. That was it. That was it. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. And I asked this of several folks, but I'd be curious, like, you know, what your response is. Um, and and I, again, because I love your perspective. So. What keeps us, particularly as POC, particularly as black folk, right, connected to 
really, you know, this kind of colonized version of Christianity and theology. I definitely want to ask more about, you know, looking at hoodoo and voodoo. I mean, and, and, and just the demonization that that has gone through. Um, and right. Like even, you know, the understanding of how we think about those in the spirit world, we talk, you know, we do, and, you know, people don't want to talk about mediums or, you know, uh, you know, or car tarot card reading. I mean, you know, saying so people tend to look at that as very evil. Why do we continue to what? What is in your, in your thought and process and research? Like, how, what keeps us just keep going back to the same well? It's so interesting you phrase the question that way. Um, one of my projects that I want to do for my program um, specifically uh, talks about the belief that a lot of African American. Um, and, and it even extended past African-American, but a lot of black folks throughout the diaspora have of African traditional religions. And that is its roots are demonic mm. um, that, you know, from the beginning, our ancestors didn't know what they were worshiping um, and they were tapping into demonic forms of spirituality um, when <laughs> when it all if you know anything, I won't say anything, but if you know something, it's just an indigenous faith practice. It's just how indigenous people connected with the divine. There is nothing wrong with those practices, but because it has been so heavily demonized by white European uh, Christianity, westernized Christianity, unfortunately, a lot of us that are colonized continue to project those things onto African spirituality. Um, there's a book I have um, by Dr. Jacob Olupana mm -hmm. called African, African Religions, a very short introduction. And that book gave me like, even though it's very short, it gave me a, a very good insight as to what in African traditional religions is considered demonic. And nothing that is practiced in African tr traditional religions is considered demonic or witchcraft. It was European colonizers and missionaries that demonized um, their faith practices mm. um, and that stripped those practices when our ancestors came to the Americas, you know, throughout the Caribbean, throughout the United States, whether the north or the south, um, wherever they landed, there was there was a, a, a job in which I learned from um, Rabito's book, Slave Religion. There was a specific job for enslaved Africans that were bought to the United States specifically, and that was to strip them of all of their Africanisms. And that started with their religion. So the process to do that is to not only eliminate um, the ways in which they connect with the divine, but to also demonize the ways that they connect to the divine. Um, and so this is why what I'm studying is the connections between African-American Pentecostalism and African traditional religions and the practices that we maintain through the invisible in institution um, mm. during the antebellum period that actually became more pronounced or those practices um, were held through the Methodist church, African Methodist church, the Baptist church, and then finally the Pentecostal church. And um, so you see like the church got in crisis, the Pentecostal assembly to the world. So all of that to say that we still on, we still hold on to these practices. However, we've been taught to demonize these practices because of its connection and tie back to our ancestral land. Um, and that was a consorted effort to do that. Mm. It's not by happenstance that 
you can go to a Pentecostal church and they will shout, dance, speak in tongues and do a whole lot of African <laughs> shit. Right? right, right. But you can ask them, does this have anything to do with Af West African traditional religions or, um, you know, the uh, Vadoon or, you know, the Orishas? And they all say the blood of Jesus. What are you talking about? Right. Right? <laughs> that was an that was an effort to make sure that was possible so it could be that disconnected and disjointed. Um, but, yeah, that that uh, that impacts also how we see God, because if we are if we just took on and which african-americans have done throughout our history within this country um through enslavement um the jim crow south and and what we know is today freedom we have done an awesome job syncretizing those practices and keeping them even though they did such or they made such an effort to disconnect us from those practices mm. um and we see throughout the Caribbean and other parts of the diaspora, Latin America, South America, that our uh, our cousins throughout the diaspora, they kept those practices and were allowed to keep some parts of and elements of language as well. So the thing that connects us, in my opinion, connects us throughout the diaspora, even it can, it's not real, it's not uh, um, you know language because some of us took on the language of the colonizer. We had to. Some of us took on, you know, uh, um, different forms of communication that we we were made to take on. Like we speak English instead of our na native tongues. But the one thing that connects us beside music and rhythmic patterns, I would say, is religion, mm. is faith. Mm. And that impacts how we see God, because if all of us see God as turn the other cheek, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, do you know? Do all these good things and spill your blood for your brother, but our oppressors see God as the God of vengeance, the God of getting whatever you want. I have complete and total dominion. Then that that creates an inequality in our theologies, and it produces a whole lot of bullshit, which we see now. <laughs> right, right. Um. Okay, this gives me a whole bunch of thoughts here. Um, because I it I heard a quote the other day from um Muhammad Ali. Um, and this was of course, you know, back in the day. But he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I was trying to pull it up, but uh, you know, because this got me thinking just in terms of because the way you're like the, I love the way you like you're you're nuancing this because it's like the God of the oppressor. And one of the quotes basically what he was saying, he was like that. You see, you really can't respect anyone who just continually begs from you, right? It's like, if you always asking somebody for something, he said, you know, the white man's never going to respect us until, you know, we own something, we own, you know, and, and, and have some property, have some things. He said, because, you know, we, we you know, we're, we're constantly asking for saving. And, and that hit me because I feel like, right, even in this, you know, vote of no confidence, I still feel like, are we still just asking the oppressor for something that they, they're not, they're not even willing to think about? giving let alone opening up a door it's just you know it's like they're happy with just a figure a face on a publication on a website um that you know like we're a hispanic serving institution so as long as we're getting that that federal money we're good right you know but it's like don't don't demand anything so how do you i mean how how do you begin to see some of those things break free for folks i mean i mean even your your own process i mean it's like man how have you gotten to this space now where you can say this is a you know i'm in a different you know i'm in a different spot i mean it's a different spot 
Um, it took a while. Um, it took a while because even though I was reared in a black Pentecostal church, I still had a very whitewash understanding of God. Hmm. Um, and it took it took some time. Like, yes, like I said, all of our practices, majority of our practices were African or they had some tie back to um, an ancestor that was that was brought here forcibly. Um, however, our theology was so whitewashed and we are predominantly, we're not even predominantly, we're an all black church, save two white members that were married to black people. But again, it was a very colonized theology. By the time I got to college, I went to a very white, uh, private Christian institution, a uh, liberal arts school. And it was, it was the most racist bullshit I had ever encountered. Um, and it was all in the name of Jesus. And so I started to make connections there. And then from there, I went to Fuller and it was more racist bullshit. <laughs> and then from Fuller, right. I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to, cause I had left my church, my Pentecostal church when I was 24. Um, and I made the decision to leave white Jesus alone, meaning not even, I'm kind of hypocritical for saying this because I go to, uh, you know, Columbia, but I made the decision not to dabble with white Jesus no more mm. after I left Fuller. I, I, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to have the conversations about white Jesus no more. So I immersed myself into not just black liberation theology, but going past that, um, which I think a lot of black Christians stop short of because they get scared. <laughs> um, yeah. because they still want to hold on to Jesus so they get nervous with how far they can go outside of what's considered orthodox Christianity um, and they don't look at you know African traditional religions or hoodoo and you know voodoo in, in New Orleans Louisiana and you know certain parts of the south um, some of us, I think millennials, I think, according to the research, have been the only group or the main group that has, you know, tried to syncretize um, our faith. But it's just a practice that our grandmothers and great grandmothers did. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how that's literally how I got here to be talking to you like this, because this is a far cry. Uh, I think our first conversation where I was still trying to save white people, save institutions and save white Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't want to save nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, and this this takes it right to another level because I mean, I feel like, because you're absolutely right. Like, I think when I first started just examining the amount of pressure, I mean, especially coming out of Young Life and really these evangelical organizations, really that put so much emphasis right on salvation and and going in and like really claiming territory for God, of course, right. but you know, right. claim it back for God and. Um, yeah. I, it, it, I, it, I've come now to really just struggle with going in and claiming shit because so many things, right, have been fucked as a, as a result of that, yep. right? Yep. I mean, yep. Yep. you've got, not to mention we as black folks, then you've got the LGBTQ community, uh, you've got Native Americans, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Somebody sent me an email the other day, and I won't mention the school, but it's in uh, mm -hmm. it's in Georgia. <laughs> and uh, at the bottom it says, you know, we are sitting on these people's lands and everything, and we just want to acknowledge that and thank them for them. I'm like, thank them? Nigga, where's the money? Shit. <laughs> the goddamn money. Like, you giving the land back? 
What about all them years that you've profited off? Thank them. Shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, that's, and this is what my grandma would call giving people your ass to kiss. Because <laughs> what the hell? Why? That's like, oh, I'm sorry we killed your people. Right. But here's this lovely Bed Bath & Beyond gift card. Right. And like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right. Like, um, I, yeah, I... I I struggle with how um, I think trying to give white institutions it's a shame that we have to give white institutions um, guides or pamphlets on how to uh, make amends to us Um, and that goes with also like reparations and all that like you, you literally have to look at these people and say all right this is okay you're gonna have to say i'm sorry and this is how you're gonna have to apologize to me um i actually did that with fuller so that that's that's something that is irritating but it's also <laughs> if you want an apology from white institutions that's what you're gonna have to do regardless and i think that ties into um the, the first half of the question in regards to I just, I think we don't have space to claim anything. Um, Nothing belongs to us. Nothing belongs to us. You cannot reclaim, you cannot own. They have to repent for taking ownership of something that was never theirs. Hmm. And unfortunately, we gotta be the MFers. I almost really said a big one, but we gotta be the MFers to tell them how to apologize to us. And <laughs> I, I think that I think it, it, it's infuriating. But if you're going to deal with white institutions, that's the way you have to go. You have to educate them on you can't claim anything. You cannot claim something, even if like I think I've seen a school claiming something for the glory of God. Like you can't even do that. This belief that you are so exceptional and God has called you and God has chosen you to be his representation. Where did you get that from? Mm. What white exceptionalist, where did you pull that bullshit from? And yeah, you have no power to claim anything because listen, I don't, I, I quote scripture. Like I may not believe all of it a hundred percent, but my grandmama said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. So if it all belongs to God and we are stewards and that's what dominion is, being a steward, then you have no right to claim anything. And then when it comes to reparations, you got to apologize for trying to claim shit in the first place and taking it from the people that God gave it to be stewards to. Mm. That's what you gotta. Rec- that's what you gotta repent for, and I don't know if white people are prepared to repent for that. <laughs> I don't know if white people are prepared to repent for that. Right. Yeah. Well, and especially now in this climate that we have, like you see, you talked about critical race theory. I mean, I, I have to make a statement now in class, like you know, hey, okay. If you want to talk about stuff like that, that's fine. But I'm not going to entertain any arguments that just say critical race theory is bad. Like you got to name at least four or five different theorists and the research that they present. And we'll have a conversation around that. But it's like this blind 
just it's all bad and they're teaching people to hate and everything. I'm like, who have you read lately that's saying that? I want I want to know the readings. Where did you get this from? As opposed to reading just some some ad or some, you know, some some talking points, right? Um and and, and go ahead. I'm saying it's it's bullshit. It's it's, it's uh, okay. The Christian right every couple of years historically you see the pattern they pick something right they pick something to galvanize their base but years ago when brown versus board was you know the thing they picked segregation and they had everybody come out for segregation then they picked uh, i think it was at one point they picked uh, uh something else i think it was school choice or something they did with education then they went to abortion and now it's critical race theory when are we going to stop paying attention to the smoke screen? Like we're we're feeding into, and I'm not saying us as as black folks, because at certain points we do have to speak up and say, hey, hey, you're not going to speak no bullshit to me, right? But I have to look at my my white liberals and my white progressives and say, when do y'all stop feeding into the bullshit and take it for what it is and say this is another smoke screen? I'm not going to address this. I'm not. I'm, I, I am not going to address this. Um, and I think you, you fall easily back into, into, unfortunately, the Christian right's hands. You do. Yeah. You do. Because you can never, you can never argue with them on anything because they're always right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, mercy. Yes. I think... Yes. And, and that's it. And, and and the very real reality that it, there's there's gotten to a point now that anybody who believes, you know, in in any sense of the word of, you know, activism and social justice. Now you're a Marxist. Now you're a socialist. Now you're a and I'm just people are using words that they don't know what they mean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> people are saying things that they're repeating. And, they, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people on I think both sides has this problem. With repeating words, they don't know what they mean. Marxist, Leninist, what what does that mean? Do you know like critical race theory? What does that mean? What is critical race theory? Explain it. Explain it to the class. Right. Right. If you can't explain it, don't talk about it. Right. <laughs> right. You got people going to school board meetings talking about critical race theory. A K a kindergarten through fifth grade school board meeting telling the teachers don't teach critical race theory. They don't even cover that in, in education. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think that's the, the both the audacity and the the foolishness of the levels that we're reaching now. Because the other side of it is 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 also the demonization. Like again, you know, anyone who doesn't think like me is a devil. They're tearing this nation down. They they want to see the destruction of the United States. And I hear this inflamed language and then I'm like, well, wait a minute. This sounds uh, kind of hostile here towards, uh, you know, any kind of even though they say, oh, you're not allowing, you know, a diversity of thought. You're not you're afraid to 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 have another opinion. And I'm just like, no, that's that's y'all. Y'all are. I can't tell you how many folks I've had that, including myself, who've gotten disinvited to, you know, different universities, Christian universities that they don't want to hear that. They don't want to be this. They don't want to have their students or their their donors. Right. So. Well, let me ask this when we're thinking about 
because where we're at right now, right, it's like you got the pandemic raging. I just saw another headline today that said, oh, there's going to be a surge here in winter, another surge, even though numbers were down. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I said. I was like, oh, man. Um, you know, what are some of the, the conversations you're having, you know, particularly around black folk, the vaccine, COVID, um, you know, and just where we find ourselves here at the latter part of 2021, you know, you got Biden that said, you know, uh, I'm going to do this for the Afghanistani people, which is great. I'm glad that he should 20 years and especially all the folks that helped them. We're going to do this for the Asian community. I'm, I'm for that. Absolutely. People over there, you know, acting racist and trying to beat up on aunties and uncles and stuff. But I'm like, Where's the stuff for black folk? Like, wait a minute. Didn't we help get y'all ass in, 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 uh, into both the Congress and the House? Like, wait a minute. So how are you navigating some of these and some of these conversations in regards to just even some of that madness? If that makes sense. That's a big, I know, just outlandish question statement. Endless, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired of... Like I said, I'm tired of the right wing Christian right. I'm tired of the democratic, progressive, liberal left. I'm tired of both wings of the same bird. Um, and I think a lot of black people are just as frustrated with both parties. Um, and listen, 2020, they really got our asses to come out there and line dance and make food all in line to vote. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in 2022, next year for the primaries, or in 2024. Um, because there's no morale. There is no morale. You you barely, yes, they just passed this, uh, uh, um, I forgot the name of it, but it's Biden's big budget plan um, that includes, I believe, free pre-K. Um, I think there's some more FMLA, like Family Medical Leave Act stuff. It just, it, it has a little, whole lot of stuff in it. But you had two Democratic senators that were, like, stripping the bill every day. Right. And so you have fighting in your own party. And it looks like it looks like to, to the, the, the observer that just turns on the news. They can't even get their shit together. Right. And so one thing that the Democratic Party and one thing in politics that, that they have done by getting oppressed people to turn on each other is promoting scarcity. Um, mm. This belief that. We don't have enough pot. We can't because, especially the Democrats, they love to play this bullshit with us. <laughs> oh, we, you know, the Republicans won't let things get through, and oh, there's so much. So we have to do certain things at certain times. So only the LGBTQ community can get something this term, and then the next term it will be the blacks. Then after that, it'll be the Asians, and then we'll think about the indigenous. They they promote this scarcity mindset because of all the the bureaucratics and the policy and the red tape that they have to get through. When in all reality, the pandemic showed us one thing, there is more than enough. <laughs> there is more than fucking enough to take care of every goddamn body in this country without our country breaking a sweat. Yeah. There's more than enough. Our asses should have never been in Afghanistan to begin with to spend all these trillion dollars. When I, when I, I didn't even read Obama's second book or his, I think that's his third book. But when I read the 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 uh, um, the excerpt where he talked about how much the war in Afghanistan call call uh, uh, cost a year, hmm. I, I, 
how in good faith can you spend that much money on a war unless it is for the benefit of colonization and imperialism and securing other resources that the United States does not want to fairly agree with another brown country about. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to navigate this narrative of, all right, black people, we have to stay actively engaged with politics, with activism. And you know what? Fuck this, (laughs) y'all. Fuck this. They ain't never going to do right by this. Never. Because now they're trying to roll back all the concessions they made during what they ca- what they called the pandemic. Because mm-hmm. now we're not in the pandemic anymore. Now, who knows what the fuck this is, even though more people are dying in 2021 than in 2020 for the coronavirus, for COVID. But they, they have added, they rolled back every concession they've made. Um, they eliminated unemployment in certain states. And they all with the idea that if we take unemployment, people will go back to work. And that was what when did they ever think that was a possibility? <laughs> then they didn't. Then right. the first thing Joe Biden could have done, if they wanted people to go back to work so bad, he could assign fifteen dollars into the minimum wage act for federal as, as a federal um law. But he didn't. So when you have these conversations with black people, they see they see Kamala or Kamala Harris getting up telling people at the border don't come here or whatever the hell she said, right? You're right. Like they they, they they see this, you know, we say during the campaign trial what we're going to do. And then when we get in office, we hide behind, you know, I consider it, I consider, uh, what was it, Senator, I forgot her name in Arizona, and the other one, uh, Senator Manchin, I believe that's his, how you pronounce his last name, um, you know, organized opposition to certain bills so they actually can't pass them. What do you say to constituents that see this? Yeah. What do you say to black people? That you say, you know what? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> right. You say, who gives a fuck? Make your money, serve your God, and have some sort of peace and joy in your life. That's what you say to black people. <sighs> yeah. And I feel like exactly what you said at the beginning here is like, man, I'm tired. And that's I mean, that because that's where I find myself oftentimes like and not just physically tired. Like, yeah, I'm getting enough sleep. I I get my I get my seven, eight hours. I'm good at that. And, um, you know, it's like I, you know, I I can go and and I try to get my physical exercise, although now the winter coming and stuff here, at least here in Chicago, it's already starting to get. Oh no, it's cold out here. It's cold. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's a, we already started to dip into the twenties. Now I'm like, oh man, oh, good yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's like it's there's a sense of just exhaustion. I can't tell you over the last month how many Facebook mess I I ain't returned none of them. Facebook messages I got, you know, or DMs about, oh man, Doctor Hodge, you know, we're trying to figure out this racial thing, and I just want to know, can I talk with you for a little bit, you know? And hey, you know, I started reading your book, you know, hip hop and theology, and goddamn, that's that's some good shit right there, you know. So I just want to know, can, what can you recommend? And I'm like, no fucking. I ain't got and you y'all coming with empty hands? Shit. I ain't got listen, I ain't got it. I'm gonna tell you this right now. And I said this to one of our friends. Anybody that is still educating white people and white institutions, either wasn't like you wasn't shooting outside with us, you wasn't in the gym with us, you wasn't outside with us when shit was first going down, or you really got the patience of Job, because that don't make no damn sense. <laughs> 
It doesn't make a damn sense. If white, listen, what did Jesus say to, uh, or what, what was the parable where uh, Lazarus died and the rich man died the same night? And the rich man said, can I go back and tell my brothers about this place? And Jesus, or uh, Abraham, not Jesus, Jesus tell the story. Abraham said, there's a great golf fix. And if they don't even believe the prophets, why would they believe you? That's why I feel black people are. If they don't believe, like, how much more right. can we tell y'all about this bullshit? Right. I mean, you had, shit, your grandparents had the civil rights movement, right? Right. Like, your parents had the apartheid movement and the crack epidemic and surviving Ronald Reagan, right? Your, your, we, my generation had 9-11, George Bush, the Left Behind Act, like, then you got Black Lives Matter. <laughs> right. During Obama. During Exa like exactly. the, the, the head Negro in charge. You you get the Black Lives Matter movement during that time. And then right after that, you get the fucking most racist piece of <laughs> shit to run the country. Right. Right? You get white lash immediately. Immediate white lash after Obama's president. And you get at that time. I think and I, I really believe those those four years will be studied when it comes to black scholarship, because as much black scholarship and, and intellectual um, property that was released by black people across the diaspora mm -hmm. during those four years, there is no way white people can say they do not have information. Right. You should not be asking a black person for shit. <laughs> I don't care what part of the diaspora they're from. Right. You shouldn't be asking black people for shit when there's all these books out here. Oof. All these damn books. Right. And you still inboxing people. Cannot. No. No, you can't. <laughs> exactly. All these damn books. How many people done been shot? How many people done had, you know, women been sexually assaulted? Women dying, men dying, children dying, transgender black people dying. What else do you need? There's been so much black death. Mm -hmm. So much black death, so much black mourning. I mean, we had what they, they will look back in 2020, the uh, uh, George Floyd protests, the uprisings that happened all over the damn country and other parts of the world. You had a fucking revival. What else do you need? <laughs> oh my god! Well, no, I don't have I don't have patience for white people that still need help, that's still trying to understand, um, and I don't have patience for black pastors and black clergy and laity people that's just coming outside. Right. I don't have patience. I love. I don't that. have patience. I, I don't have patience. I love it. I love that. <laughs> I got to bookmark that one because I, I go yeah. use that one. That was. <laughs> Like they just yeah, coming I, outside. I, I, I don't have patience. You just came outside. You just got outside with us, and now you want to write the books. Right. Oh God. <laughs> now you want to write the books. Oh God. Now I understand if you were doing your PhD during the time when that shit was hot. I get it. But now you want to come out write the books. Now you want to release the podcast. Now you right. want to do all this shit. Right. You know what? Every war needs reinforcement. So I'm glad the cavalry finally showed up to do whatever they believe they're called to do in the final hours. Man. All tea, all shade. Oh man. Well, I think and that's that's part of the other frustration too, right? It's 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 it it is the POCs that are still 
just again, and I and I don't use myself as like the know-it-all beat-all scholar, but I'm just like, why why are we still reading shit from 25 years ago and y'all just, just barely getting on board with that? I'm like, there's been a lot of stuff. I mean, as a scholar, I tell my students, like, you gotta like you gotta look at who's been publishing what. I just had a conversation with a student today talking about, well, I don't know this and about no, no, hell no. There's there's been 10 years of motherfuckers writing about hip hop and theology for 10 goddamn years, a whole bunch of motherfuckers there's no excuse of i don't i don't know where to go look shit there is no there is no excuse absolutely none absolutely none there's no excuse about scholarship and truth be told the religious academy is behind yes if you have a twitter account if you have a youtube if you have a tiktok especially you can see what gen z millennials and even boomers are talking about when it comes to different ideas exegeting the text, different ideas in 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 seeing how uh, theologies, queer theologies, you know, the different uh, um, different um, I can't think of the word right now, but different uh, movements surrounding feminism, uh, womanism ideas, and in theologies, the academy is behind. Yeah. what black scholars, what queer scholars, what what Latino scholars are and Latinx scholars are currently putting out indigenous scholars are putting out so to say you still don't know what the books are come on <laughs> exactly. you don't you still don't know the damn books and the academy is behind yes oh absolutely and i think that was part of what was revealed i mean and we knew it those of us who was in the academy right we knew it for years it's like there's been a rupture but it's like the pandemic just revealed like god damn yep. y'all are that yep. ass behind yeah for real yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep, because y'all are just, it, it, it really is when Jesus said, how long will I be with you? When he asked, and I'm not comparing white people to the disciples at all. Sure. But when he said, how long, how long will I be with you? Mm. How long will I have to keep telling you the same proverbs and, and, and going over the same lessons? And how long do I have to do that with y'all before y'all finally get it? Right, right. And I think that's, I think people of color, black people, um, queer people, poor people are tired of telling white folks, not just any white folks. I mean, the 1% of white folks that, you know, got rich during the pandemic, you know, the, the white folks that didn't want to march, the white folks that have been <laughs> apathetic and still remain apathetic, the white folks that don't even know what critical race theory is that's showing up to the school board meetings. We're tired of trying to impress or find empathy or connect with white people. I am done connecting with white people. Whoo, that is, and that's, that is the one stronghold I still have in my life right now. And this is what drives me nuts. I just keep it real. 100 with you um, is mm. that my livelihood is is connected to where, you know what I'm saying? Like it, oh, to, yeah. to the stronghold, oh, you know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? No, no, no. L listen, listen. Hear what I'm saying. I am done connecting with white people. But when it comes to a check, because we still live in a capitalistic society, exactly. guess who's going to have to do what they got to do? Because guess who's who's in seminary? A predominantly white seminary right now. <laughs> my black ass. Right. But who paid for the who paid for my black ass's education? The predominantly white seminary. Yeah. So, yeah. I Listen. As long as they asses want to be educated, I'll throw them a book. <laughs> That's it. 
That's it. Long, listen, long, <laughs> listen, as long as they want to know something, I'll give them a book. I, love I might it. even teach a damn class. I love it. But never will I think that they actually want to repent. Never will I allow my heart, my emotions to get caught up in the repentance of white folk. Right. Because it will never happen. Whew. Well, let me ask you this thing, because I get asked this a lot, especially for some of my white guests on the show. Um, and I'm sure you've heard it as well. You hear it a lot, too. It's like, what can white allies do in this moment, in this time? <laughs> um, I mean, what? Um, y'all, come on. <laughs> what you mean? What you mean? Like, if I, I understand the question. I understand where it's coming from. And maybe this is not the answer for someone that just got radicalized and just finished Ta-Nehisi Coates' book and maybe just, you know, read a little bit about Tavia Butler if they got that far. You know, it's not for the... This answer isn't for those people. This is for the white people that have been down since whatever time that they say 2015, 2016, when BLM movement first got started and they start showing up to protest and shit. You know the answer to that question. Yeah. So I'm not like, you know, you know the answer to that question. How can I be a better ally? Ask the black people you're in community with. That is like, ask them. And if they don't have a good answer, go. I won't even tell you to go into the black community and start doing dumb shit. Just wait for an opportunity to give somebody reparations. You see somebody black with a GoFundMe, give them, give them some money and you got it. Like, it, it's not, I think we make these like, we create these lofty ideas what allyship is. Oh, I'm going to stand in front of this black woman and get a bullet. Like, no, like, just give that black girl $50 for her to go on her prom. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, the girl is raising money to go on her prom. She got to go find me. Give her $50. Like, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. Just live in community. Yeah. Stop making it this thing. Yeah. 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 Well, and 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 that's part of uh, you know even as you talk you talk about books, I think about that's part of what again drives me up a wall um, about some of these memoirs being released as well. You know, in regards to oh being white and this and this and that and this and that. I'm just like oh I don't know, man. You know, but it seems like those are some of the ones that get picked up. Those are some of the podcasts that blow up. Those are some of the you know churches or whatever. And you know it's. I don't know. And, 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 and this just could be my own, like, oh, you trying to hate. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to hate. I guess I'm just, I guess I, I, I asked myself, there's been cats out here. I remember this one guy, he came to me. This is back when I was still the director for the goddamn youth center at the place I was working at. Um, and he was just like, oh, I got this radical new idea, Dan. I got this radical new idea for youth ministry. I was like, oh, okay. All right, well, you know, we'll have you out. Let's talk about it. And you know what that shit was? It was all fucking like John Perkins type shit, like moving into the community. Oh and, my God. And I'm like, this motherfucker just came up in here like we radical and we're going to do these new things. And I'm, I'm like, wait, John Perkins was talking about this in 1985. Like goddamn Back to the Future was fucking out. Like you you talking about shit when we were still in the analog era. And this is supposed to be Christ. radical? Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yep. 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 And, and you know what? That's that is what's radical for white evangelicals. Right. That is radical. That finally paying attention to Negroes. Yes. 
<laughs> and not any Negroes. The Negroes that were, you know, right after Dr. King. Like, not even not even ones that's recent. Not even work that's recent. Right. Not even people that are that are new. Not even I. Not even younger scholars. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll leave that alone. No, 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 no. I, I think, no, I, this is good because, I, I, like I said, I, these are just some of the things that just, it irks me uh, when I get, when I see folks, you know, just trying to represent some shit that I'm just like, now, wait a minute now. Like, you may be impressing the cats over at you specialties, but goddamn, like, nah, I ain't, I, I ain't that impressed. You ain't said nothing radical. Like, and here's the other side of it. Like, because I, you know, I have kind of, well, not kind of, I have, I've given up like on church, like in terms of going to an actual institution, sitting in a pew. Oh, as, as, as do I, yes, I, I've given up. <laughs> yeah, nope, not a, no more, you know, no more. Oh, sitting in a pew and I mean, we still tithe. I mean, if you, if you even want to call it that, I mean, because there's plenty, like you said, there's plenty of folks that have Venmos and that have, you know, accounts or GoFundMes and stuff like that. And like that, need money and you need support and stuff so i'm just like no we're still giving away money oh yeah definitely you know definitely. but i'm just not putting it into an institution um what do you see as the next iteration of church as we move into this time of you know vision you got motherfucking billionaires shooting themselves out into space in a fucking penis rocket and stuff um oh lord you know what i'm saying and Mm-hmm. And and you know and people talking about all the advancement of human species and everything. I'm like, motherfucker, like let's just can we can we stop the people at the border in Texas from being put in fucking cages? Like, can we stop that? Like, so how do you see as the next or do you not? I mean, don't feel you know don't feel locked by the question. Like, like we think about theology moving forward, man. You know, is is black indigenous, you know, local grown, you know, theology the way or? Or what? What do you think? So I uh, I can't tell you nothing about what white people is doing in their churches right now because I clearly haven't given a damn <laughs> for a long time. Uh, so yeah, God bless them. You know, let them flourish in their white congregations. Um, but as far as the black church, I think if you asked me this question four years ago, I would have said the new iteration of the black church is the margins that God is using activists. God is using um, truth tellers and people that speak truth to power. And God is creating or sending a revival and establishing the church on the margins. Um, Now, if you ask me that, what is the next iteration of the church? I don't know, because um, I'm at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. A lot of younger, I won't say younger, but they're younger in the academy, but established, extremely established scholars. Um, they have begun to discuss, and I've caught wind of the conversations, of the abolishment of the black church, because it has become an arm, if I got this correct, and they can they can correct me, but because it has become an arm of white evangelicalism in the black community, they stand on that the black church now has to be abolished. Mm. Not black culture. Yeah. 
but the institution of the black church. So I'm at a crossroads with saying, yes, I agree with that. I believe that, you know, I won't call myself an abolitionist because I'm not as well read as I need to be, but as someone that's in line with abolition, um, I agree that systems that mirror or perpetuate um, white hegemony um, that, that perpetuate cis normative values should be destroyed. So we can create something where, where we, not even everybody's at the table, the table's just short and we're just starting over completely. I believe that. But in our current society, the black church is still the main institute. I won't even say the main institution. It's still an institution where black people can receive, receive resources and services. It is not the institution and it hasn't been the institution for a long ass time. Um, and I, there's different, you know, reasons as to why that is. I don't, you know, I can't say which one is, you know, concrete enough for me to say, yeah, that's the reason why the black church is no longer the institution, but it is an institution um, that is used or can be used to give resources and to partner with organizations and to um, produce good works in, in black communities, to tie back into black communities. Due to the pandemic, we have discovered that the black church does not have to have walls. Mm. Um, and that is a problem for a lot of black churches because a lot of black churches either have one issue where they were not advanced technology or prepared or advanced technologically or prepared technologically to serve the member of the 21st century. And they did not prepare their membership to do that either. Um, that's one facet. And then the second thing is <clears throat> black churches can be very competitive when it comes to church membership. They like to hold on to their people. I need to know if my tithe is going to be the same amount every, every week. Yeah. I can't have my people going to different congregations. And so what I've seen now, I've seen some churches pivot to let's become the, the church of the 21st century. You know, like I think, uh, which is huge. I, I could be incorrect, but Kojic, Church of God in Christ, um, one of the largest black denominations in the United States, they um, had convocation. And this convocation season, I believe they had convocation virtually. Usually their convocation is in uh, St. Louis or, you know, it used to be in Tennessee. But this, they moved everything virtual so all members would have access to it without... Um, I believe dealing with the pandemic or dealing with COVID, excuse me, dealing with the uh, uh, threat of the coronavirus. And that's huge because the Church of God in Christ lost hundreds of bishops and elders and, and people due to the coronavirus. Yeah. So I think some churches are pivoting. Um, and I think some people are masterful at, you know, still creating that element of being in church virtually. Um, but I think as a whole, the black church in the United States has to get better. Um, if they want to remain an institution that continues to provide resources um, for the community, they 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 have to do better. Um, but on the one side, I say shut this shit down because, yeah, it's full of patriarchy. It's full of homophobia. It's full of classism, elitism. It's full of all isms, just like a white church. Shut the shit down. <laughs> but I love it. for where we are now in our current time in society, the black church in some aspects is needed. 
So I don't know where the new church is going to come from, um, but I know where the church is right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I'm I'm definitely of the of the mindset. Well, there's two mindsets because I get that culture is really hard to kill, and so are our ideologies, right? It's you know they're embedded right. into who we are, and people hold on to that shit to the to the grave. Um, right. But I'm also of the mindset that shit's not working. Um, right. and it, and, and, and it hasn't been working for a while and we, and like the shit is ruptured. Like, I feel like we've ruptured in 2016 when that fool got elected, it was like, God damn, if you didn't see a rupture, like, what did you see? Like people who still have this, Oh, the next generation of you, like, if you still going to a goddamn, you know, like religious conference <laughs> and they're still Listen. talking about, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, I just, I, I don't know. There were certain people that buried their head in the sand for four years um, and that acted like, you know, what was happening wasn't happening. Um, and now, now they're emerging, having their conferences again. But, oh, wait, there's a pandemic, you know, and they're trying to get their coin any way they can. Right. So, you know, I I, I, <laughs> I don't know about them people, but I, I would hope that if you are saying you're a Christian or you are saying you're someone that believes um, in in Jesus, you better put your hope in nothing less because these people are crazy. Right. <laughs> right. Like these people are crazy and they will kill you in the name of Jesus and keep going. Um, and so I, I think I think it's just I think it's just important that if we're going to create communities um, where there is what's the term I'm looking for we're going to create communities where there is a a church or a, a, a place where we all meet whether it be virtual or in person if we're going to create those communities they have to reflect what people keep saying the kingdom of God will look like so that's just not multi-ethnic that may be multi-religious and multi-spiritual that may be inclusive or that is not even that may be that is inclusive of all genders and gender identities um, that is inclusive of all sexual identities as well. So if, when I go back to this question of what is the, the new church, where is the new church? It, it has to be a reflection of what I would say is the kingdom of God that is shown in Revelations. Um, but if you're not, a, if you don't see it that way, you don't gonna want it to reflect, that's not your vision or your view of the kingdom of God. Right. So you don't have anything to pull from. Whew. This is great. And I, I consider that the revelator's imagination. Yes. Because revelators, John the Revelator, they can see far past what we see. What those of us, whether you're in the fight uh, for, you know, against injustice or whatever you want to call it, being woke, whether you're in the fight, I, I just call it if you're fighting for uh, the creation of a new heaven and new earth. Right. If you are fighting for that, you are a revelator. You see this imagination of a new heaven and new earth. And I think it's important for people, and this is where my understanding of the spirit realm comes in from my Pentecostal roots. You have to understand that this is not a flesh and blood battle, so you're not going to be able to convert everyone on the idea of logic. Um and so I think that the new church is going to have to embody some spiritual practices too. Yeah. That do a lot of spirit work. 
And that's where the practice of, I would say, your grandmama's hoodoo comes in. Mm. I love that. I love that. I love that. And I love because it's it it presents, again, this this fresh way of looking at, again, the the pneuma, the uh, the 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 supernatural. Right. Like, how do we embrace this? And that's what I tell folks. I'm just like, I don't I haven't stopped believing like one can just merely look at how our bodies are constructed. Like, I don't think for a second like this, there's. Some of us, I forget which scientist it was who said that to think that we're randomly put together and like the universe just randomly put these things out there is the equivalent of shooting a Coke can off a rock on the moon and you're standing in New York City, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so I don't, I, but it's, it's like, so okay, so yes, there's something beyond, but it's like to believe like it's just this thing that we have come to believe is this is this person going back to what we you know to kind of bring it full circle like this god that only you know loves and we as people of color can only only forgive and right as people always talk about let's let's be peaceful these protests can be peaceful but this nigga biden go out and fucking drop bombs and and be, be the first to say like we're not gonna forget we will not forgive you know talking about them bombers who killed the you know the soldiers in afghanistan and stuff and i'm just like wait let's use the same language towards you like i think biden y'all need to be peaceful about this shit and go have some conversations with al-qaeda and maybe do some marching and some sit-ins in kabul listen (laughs) only when it comes to us only when i say us i'm not just talking about black people i'm talking about people that have marginalized identities and a lot of people don't a lot of people don't like to use the word oppressed or term oppressed but marginalized identities um if you don't fit the white heteronormative, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed box. Yeah. You know, wealthy box. Um, yeah, that guy's not for you. I'm sorry you had to learn it this way, but that God ain't for you, baby. That God is for the white man so he can establish dominance in the earth. <laughs> that God was that that's that God was given to him for American exceptionalism, um, to tell him that he had dominion because he was a man just because he had a penis it had nothing to do with nothing else and so unfortunately since since white evangelicalism and i say white evangelicalism is a syncretized faith they always say oh contextual theologies and syncretized you know versions of christianity when they talk about you know the the, the faith of, of colored people right. and queer people but theirs is just as syncretized and just as contextualized as it want to be because they changed the whole damn bible just to benefit their slave codes so i don't want to hear nothing about our contextualized theology let's talk about theirs Exactly. That's another, that's a whole nother tangent. But, (laughs) (laughs) that's a whole nother tangent. But, but yeah, I, I, when I say, when I speak, and I I don't want to, you know, scare your white listeners too much, um, and neither do I want to scare the white people at Columbia Theological Seminary. Y'all are wonderful. (laughs) Um, I'm talking, when I say white, I mean white institutions. Yeah. Uh, white seats of power. And sometimes they are occupied and they are created in black or other spaces of color, Asian, Latinx spaces of color, indigenous spaces of color as well. So we as people of color and as black people and as marginalized people, we have to make sure 
that we do not begin to not only have the colonized mindset and ideology, even in the way we think about God, um, but not continue to perpetuate that to other people and continue the colonization process. Because that's what we end up doing. They instructed us, we instruct one another, and we pass it down from generation to generation until when it's finally time for us to fight back, we then find sympathy for our oppressor and sympathy for white institutions. And our children's children's children can't carry out the work because we've only taught them to turn the other cheek and be, you know, good and gracious. And if someone, you know, needs your cloak, give him your cloak. Meanwhile, the white man that's worth a billion dollars hasn't given you no damn money and is flying a rocket-shaped penis to the moon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Dom, I could talk with you. I love the way you think. I think you are only adding to the arsenal here with this THM. Um <laughs> I, I hope so. Oh, I know it. I know it. I am just like, wow, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to have you on every semester. Every new semester, you reading something new, <laughs> some new shit. I'm like, all right, let me get Dom back on because I'm going to break some shit man, down. thank you. That's that's a high honor coming from you, man. That's a high honor oh. coming from you. I remember when I used to read your books as undergrad. <laughs> high it's, honor coming from you. Well, thank you. It's, it's amazing. I'm honored to have you on the show. Where can folks find you? Where can they get in touch with you? You know, maybe they want to drop you that. Like, like, hey, I've been inspired. Let me... Let me reach out to Dom. Maybe I'll pay for a semester. Oh, well, if you feel so inclined, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, but you can look me up on Twitter at Dom underscore Devereaux, D-E-V-E-R-A-U-X, at the same handle on Instagram and Dominique Candice on Facebook. Beautiful, beautiful. And for anyone listening, as always, I will put these in the show notes at whitehodgepodcast.com forward slash profane faith. Dom, once again, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me.